What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up and welcome back. I'm Jonathan, your host, and today I'm gonna be talking about the future of investing in entrepreneurship and how a lot of people are starting businesses without lifting a finger or doing any of the work, but still reaping all the benefits. I know it sounds too good to be true, but don't worry, I'm gonna unpack it all today in this episode right now. So this is the newest booming market right now for everyday investors. You know, People are comparing this against real estate and comparing it against stocks and ETFs and crypto as a an asset class in itself. And really it's the world of M&A, mergers and acquisitions, buying businesses, but it's really microtransactions, micro acquisitions. And that is automated businesses. So what are automated businesses? Automated businesses is a new trend where a team powered by a lot of software and a lot of decentralized staff, you know, some overseas staff and things like that, automate every stage of the business. And they run the whole thing and then they take a portion of the profits as their compensation so that it's a performance-based engagement, right? So that everybody has skin in the game and the better you do, the better they do and vice versa and so on. So um, this is a super interesting category. It's blowing up very quickly. It is very nascent, meaning it's new and has a lot of potential. But with any new industry, just like crypto, it's you know it's got its hiccups and roadblocks, but it's also got its huge upside potential. So if you're looking for the next wave to catch or if you're worried that you missed the last wave, this might be the time to lean in and listen. So I'm going to tell you about my first automated business, which was an Amazon store and how I got it up to $45,000 in sales in its second month and the whole experience there. But I'm going to dive into that a little bit later in this show. For now, I'm going to start by explaining what these different types of businesses are. We're going to go into my experience, like I mentioned. We're going to go into how they work. We're going to go into the risks. We're going to look at how much money you can make with these and then answer some you know, common questions, big questions that I think everyone should be asking before they either invest or you know, start an automated business. So to start us off, um, what, what businesses are automatable? Now, you think of automation as software. Generally, these businesses are very software powered. They're generally on tech platforms. And so there's a lot of software that goes into it, but there's also a lot of human power. People are leveraging the world is flat concept, right? So getting staff overseas for five bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour to do a lot of the menial tasks, like let's just say product fulfillment or customer support. And they have systems and processes already written. So it's like a blueprint that you can reuse for each business. So the different types of automated businesses that are getting popular today are first Amazon and Walmart, right? Amazon is the biggest retail e-commerce provider, right? They get the lion's share of all the online business, right? Every brand typically has an Amazon store to complement their, you know, Shopify store or whatever. Thing about Amazon is, I mean, I don't know about you, but I place sometimes one, two orders a day at this point. I order everything from there. And because there's so many people doing what I'm doing, there's a lot of unmet demand. So you can list a product that's got a lot of demand and very little competition, and you could be selling 100 units a day very quickly. And that's how people scale these stores so quickly. So Amazon and Walmart is one category. Um, both of them are similar in that sense. You can be a, a merchant and sell on them. You can sell branded products or wholesale products, meaning you're selling other people's brands. Second, meta shops, 
Facebook shops, and Etsy. These are like Amazon and Walmart in a lot of ways, but they are different in the sense that they don't have as much prowess, but they don't have as much competition either. So you could list the same products that are popular on Amazon on your Meta store or your Etsy store and probably still get a lot of business out of it. So a lot of people do it that way. So those ones are pretty similar. Next, there's YouTube automation. YouTube automation is the process of starting a channel around a niche and a team does all the research and figure out, figures out what niche and what content is needed. And you produce enough content until you get to 4,000 subscribers. And then after that point, your channel is monetizable, meaning you can start getting paid for how many views you get. So the more views you get, the more money you make. And this is a, a lower risk, but longer build type of model, which I actually like a lot because it's fully compliant and it is very hands off, um, but it just takes longer. So YouTube automation is also becoming very popular. Next, we have Shopify automation. So Shopify automation is when a company either builds or buys you a branded store. So they'll make you a Shopify store with a certain set of products on it, similar that you would do on Amazon, but you use ads to power it. Um, a lot of people still make a lot of money using Shopify automation. I think this is the first e-commerce automation space that I saw. And it works well, it can make a lot of money. But the issue is you have to pay for advertising, whereas on Amazon, you don't have to pay for advertising. So your margins are typically gonna be better. Next, trucking automation. This one is super interesting because who thinks of automating the most human possible business out there, right? People driving trucks. Well, first, there are now self-driving trucks. There are electric trucks. So a lot of people are automating through using those mechanisms. But the general business model is that you use a blueprint, start like a franchise, a digital franchise of a trucking company, and then you will find a driver and a truck and somebody else will handle the dispatch and getting orders and all that stuff. And you basically just rake the profits as the investor. A little bit different, and I haven't personally run a trucking automation company yet, so I can't provide personal experience on that, but I know some people that are, and it's definitely growing in popularity. Next, we have Airbnb automation. This is where you do arbitrage, you get a bunch of rentals, and you turn them into Airbnbs. There is also Turo automation, where you get a fleet of cars, and you use an arbitrage markup model to resell those cars as rentals on, on Turo. And then we have investing, Forex, stocks, all of that kind of stuff as automation, right? And the way they automate that is through bots. They have trading bots that trade the market based on historical algorithms and can predict the incomes and outcomes of certain trades. And these types of, uh, this type of automated business is super interesting to me as well. I'm in the process of starting one right now because the AI and the, the technology trading the bots has gotten so advanced at this point, it's generally better than a human investor. So therefore, as long as your batting average is above 51%, meaning you win 51% of your trades, you're gonna be profitable. That model is, is quite easy to run, as you can imagine. And then there's a whole world of other passive digital assets that do not have a, a tech platform, right? So these are non-digital automated businesses. ATMs, vending machines, real estate, and there are a few others, but that is really what I'm gonna talk about today is that lot of automated businesses. All right, so let's dive in. Okay, so first I'm gonna talk about my experience using e-commerce automation on Amazon. So the short story is, is I got my store up to $40,000 a month in sales by the second month. This was using Amazon. And the old model, which I don't recommend anymore, is drop shipping, right? So you order from a supplier that has a local warehouse, it could be like Walmart or Target or some other you know, retail provider, 
and they ship the products straight from Target to the customer. Now you can make a lot of money in this, but the issue is this is against policy with Amazon. And so whenever you're looking at automated businesses, you have to understand what's within compliance and policy and what's not. So I didn't realize that and the team running the store, you know, scaled it to that level and I made great money on it. But the issue is it got a violation because of uh, mainly because the orders were getting fulfilled late because there was backup. There was there's back order on my log. But the short answer is I only spent 25 grand in inventory to make 45 grand in revenue. So very high margin, you know, I made almost 20K on that. But because it was not in compliance, I actually lost the store. So that's an experience that I like to share because I think everybody should know, one, business is completely unpredictable. Two, Amazon and any other company can change their policy at any point. Three, you need to stay extremely compliant within their policies, old and new. And then four, that model of just traditional drop shipping straight from the provider or straight from the warehouse to the customer, it no longer works. It, you should not invest in that as a business model. However, there are great alternatives to it. One is that you can do two-step drop shipping. So you ship the product from the wholesale provider to a fulfillment warehouse where they repackage it in Amazon boxes and then they deliver it to the customer. Now that model has some drawbacks, but in general it works quite well and that's what most people are doing for Amazon automation these days. And then the other model, which is Amazon FBA, is where Amazon actually fulfills all the orders. And so that is what Amazon loves. That's what they want all of their merchants to be on. And that is actually the model that I currently have right now. So I have an Amazon store on FBA. So the main benefits with FBA stores is that because you're, you know, you have a warehouse and you have inventory and you have stock and you have Amazon on your side to handle customer service and fulfillment, it is a very uh, the, the business itself has enterprise value, meaning you can sell it down the road if it's you know profitable and working well. Of course, you have to have a good team that can get it profitable. But just like a drop shipping store, you can use the same software to find the top products, and that's what the the firms, you know, the specialist firms who are in this space will do. They'll find you those top products that have a ton of demand and have very low supply and command great margin. So you can still do that for FBA. You just have to buy a little bit of inventory at a time and then have it fulfilled through the Amazon warehouse. So that is actually the uh, the most plausible and smart approach to e-commerce automation, in my opinion, which of course is why I'm doing it. Um, but then again, it has its drawbacks. It can take 12 to 18 months to get that profitable. But if you're not having to do any of the work, that's still faster than most businesses for a startup. Meanwhile, you still get to have your day job and you don't have to go and do all the dirty work. So I actually like Amazon FBA a lot. And once you mature an Amazon FBA store, you can buy rights to market certain private label products and then you can take that to a whole new level. Then you've got a brand and you've got, you know, all this other enterprise value to the company. You know, a profitable Amazon FBA store can command as much as 20 to 40 X uh, multiple, meaning if it's making $100,000 in profit, you could sell the store for 20 X that, right? That would be what, $2 million, something like that. So it's got a lot of enterprise value and that's why I'm a big believer in it. Whereas the drop shipping stores don't really have as much enterprise value because they don't have a, you know, a warehouse, they don't have inventory, they don't have any of that. It's really kind of a, a very lean model to it. Okay, so now I'm gonna talk about how these automated businesses work. I've talked about a bunch of different categories, Amazon, Walmart, Meta, Etsy, YouTube, Shopify, trucking, Airbnb, Turo, investing in trading bots, ATMs, vending machines, et cetera. So there's all these different categories, but the general premise is how all of these businesses work is that 
a team who is expert in this industry or in e-commerce or whatever looks for market opportunities. So they use tools like Jungle Scout to research the top products. They use tools like Google and YouTube to see what the highest demand for keywords is and you know the, the highest demand content is. And then they will build a business model around, again, a niche opportunity that has a lot of demand, but very little competition. So that's the basis of how they're built. So you find a winning product or you find a winning niche. And then a team who specializes in actually getting the products, getting the wholesale partnership set up, handling all of the listings on, you know, whether it's Shopify or Amazon or whatever, they handle all that for you because they're specialists. This is what they do. A lot of that is human powered. Also have a lot of uh, software tech to, to power that, but they all run on a performance basis, right? So let's just say they make you 10 K in profit in a month. They're going to take somewhere between 20 and 40% of that. So they'd take two to $4,000 as their compensation for running the store for you. So that way, you know, they have skin in the game and you know, they have an incentive to grow your store. So this team will handle all the fulfillment and operations. They handle things like sourcing the product, marketing it, selling it, and then handling customer support, the fulfillment of every order and so on. So you really don't have to do much. Now, as an investor though, it's not hundred percent hands off. Any automated business generally requires, let's just say a few hours a week. You need to get your LLC set up. You need to have banking set up. You need to have a credit card for the business so that you can cover, you know, general expenses and subscriptions and stuff like that that are required to make these businesses run. But the bottom line is they take a combination of, of low cost talent who, you know, are basically you know, running all the daily operations and they're basically like a, a robot for all intents and purposes, but they also are powered by software. Software handles a lot of data entry and listings and marketing and things like that. So it, it works quite well. Now this industry is still pretty new. So it's maturing a lot every day. And there are companies that are coming into this space and really handling it in a sophisticated and professional way, which is why I was so excited about it and which is why I've dove into it so deeply. So that's basically how the automated businesses work. A team runs it, they use a lot of software and they use a, a common blueprint that has time and time again worked to get great results for the investors. So that brings me to my next point, which is how much money can you make on these businesses? So all of these can make great money. All of them have different timelines. All of them have different profit margins based on how much, you know, logistical infrastructure there is, how much the product costs to produce. Like for a YouTube channel, your product is video. So you have to pay two to 300 bucks per video to make. Whereas on Amazon, you might be selling a product for 10 bucks that you bought for five bucks. You might be selling a product for hundred bucks that you bought for 50 bucks. And so that really determines the profitability, but generally they're shooting for 12 to 18% ROI on your money. So let's just say you invest, I don't know, 10 grand in product, you're going to be aiming to make 1,200 to 1,800 in profit. So that's a pretty fair return. Um, you know, you don't always get the same amount every month. There might be ups and downs in the business. It could be seasonal periods like the holidays and stuff like that, that cause competition to increase. So it's not across the board. It's just like a subscription of revenue coming to you. Um, but those are generally how the numbers net out over time. So if you invest, let's just say 50 grand to buy a pre-built Amazon store or a Shopify store or a YouTube store, it can take anywhere from 12 to 18 months to get that scaled up and profitable. You'll still be making revenue along the way, but the point where you break even where you made more money than you invested, that can take 12 plus months. Um, but having been an entrepreneur several times now, you know, I have a fitness app, I have a language learning app, I had a marketing agency, I have countless other businesses that I've started along the way. All of them in my experience take three to four years to really get to a, a steady 
profitable point. So if you can buy an automated business and have it up and running in a few months and have it profitable within like 12 months or maybe 18 months, that's still twice as fast as a standard business model. It makes sense, obviously, because they're using a lot of software and automation and they're using a proven model with a ton of traffic and a ton of demand. So it can make you great money back. I mean, the S&P makes what, 7% per year? So if you can make 7% per month on an Amazon store or a Shopify store or a YouTube you know, channel, then that's very, very profitable. And you're going to beat out any other, you know, category generally. And, you know, I've noticed like, especially during these recession times, businesses continued to, to be booming. People are still buying a lot of product online. That doesn't mean that there's not a consumer debt crisis or something like that looming, but it does mean that the business has been pretty stable. Why? Because most people have stopped going into the stores and they're just ordering online. Like myself, I get my house cleaning automated. I get my meals prepared. I get my groceries delivered. I automate all of that. And there's a lot of people like me who would rather be either doing something productive or doing something that brings them joy rather than just putzing around a, a grocery store and shopping. And it's just not a great use of their time unless you really enjoy grocery shopping, which I don't. So now let's get to the most important part of this discussion, which is what are the risks so all the different platforms that I mentioned, Amazon, YouTube, Shopify, trucking, Airbnb, et cetera, they all are software platforms. They're all big companies, meaning they all have explicit and detailed compliance requirements, terms of service, you know, billing policies, all that stuff. So first of all, it's really important that the firm that you work with to buy your store from, they know the policies, they keep up to date with them, and they're compliant. You don't want to be working in the in the red zone, it's very risky as the, as the investor. Um, so there's all kinds of things that can go wrong here, just like in any other business. I mean, more things can go wrong than right, and generally in my experience in business, but it's all part of the journey and it's all part of the fun. So as long as you understand what you're getting into, I think it's okay. But of course, if you are extremely risk averse, I do not recommend getting into entrepreneurship at all. So what are some of the risks? Well, first of all, if you are doing something like, uh, e-commerce automation or Turo automation or Airbnb automation, you have to have a firm that is gonna be compliant. If they are missing their on-time delivery rate or if the order defect rate is too high, these are metrics that Amazon cares about, or if the valid tracking rate is not on queue, then they can pause, deactivate, or even suspend your store for that. So it's really important to stay within policy. So you don't want to be running anything that is black hat. You want to be running a clean operation, meaning that the firm that you work with, who you buy the store from, has to be following the policies. And, you know, everyday sellers that are completely legitimate, let's just say like a coffee brand selling on Amazon, they can still get their store shut down. For example, what happened to me was I had 50 orders in one day and somebody reported an ODR, an order defect, right? So my ODR rate was now 2% because one out of 50 is 2%. Well, Amazon's tolerance is 1% for order defect rate. I have no control that the manufacturer made a defective you know, product, but my store got a violation for it. So everyday legitimate investors can still get violations, suspensions, shutdowns, all that stuff. So it's really important that your team knows how to handle those things. Other situations are like, let's just say the valid tracking rate, you know, that haven't gotten all the tracking numbers in on all of the fulfilled orders, you can get a violation for that. So there are some platforms that are less restrictive, like YouTube tends to be less restrictive. 
than Amazon, but Amazon has a ton of potential and you can get profitable much faster. So it's really a, a toss up in terms of what's your risk appetite, how quick are you looking to make your money back, or are you looking for a long-term play? All those things matter. But the bottom line is, is there's risk. There's risk with any kind of business that you start, any kind of store or whatever business you get into. So just understand that. And you should be asking, you know, if you're looking at acquiring a store or building one, you should be asking the provider how they handle these compliance things. What's their appeals process if there is a violation? What happens if a store gets shut down? You know, all those kind of questions. Now, we do have an investor cheat sheet that you can look at that has a FAQs document that goes through all the things to ask your partner or your provider before you acquire a, an automated business that you can download by going to earnflow.co. And that should have all of those key questions that you should ask before you, you know, get too deep into this. So that pretty much covers it. Um, I think this space is gonna keep blowing up. I think people are gonna get better and better at automating businesses and making it a very passive, easy investment for everyday investors. You got people who are sophisticated investors coming off of Wall Street, and then you got mom and pops who own you know, a coffee shop in the Midwest. Everyone can get into this space, which is amazing, but it's really important that you work with the right partner and provider. And with our company Earnflow, that's our whole job is to audit these providers, audit the firms that build these automated businesses and make sure, one, they're following the rules, two, they're doing great service, and three, they're getting real results for the investors. So that takes me to my last point. What are the big questions that I should be asking? I think one of the most common questions that I hear is, why wouldn't these, cop these companies just build their own brands and market them? Why would they be selling it to outside investors? So there's a few reasons for this. Most of the time, the first one, they are, right? They do have Amazon FBA stores. But the thing is, is you can only grow an Amazon FBA store so fast. What if you wanna make more money? Well, if you can make $50,000 off of building one, you know, and having a service that does that, why not, right? You could make a lot more money that way in addition to investing in your own store. So a lot of people do that. Second, with platforms like Amazon and Walmart, you can only have one store per social security number. So they can't just start a thousand stores if they want to. Instead, they have to go to outside investors or you get like a brother or a cousin or whatever and you do a you know a joint venture with them. So that's why most of these companies um, are selling this as a service. Of course, like I said, they can make money on the service, so why not? It's just like any other business. If you can make money on it, why not? So next, you should be asking how do they handle compliance matters? What happens if there's a violation? What are their expected results in terms of the you know financial profitability? How long does it take the store to get up and going? What kind of products am I going to be selling? What are the platform's restrictions? Can I see some case studies? Can I see some live stores? So those are all important questions to be asking. Um, at the end of the day, you got to trust your gut. You got to be working with a team who you genuinely trust because you're entering a joint venture with them. They are going to be running your store, right? So they need to be doing the level of due diligence and quality of work that you would expect out of yourself. They need to meet that. So do whatever you got to do to meet the team. Go as deep as you can in terms of who you're going to be working with, understanding who they are, what their history is like, you know, do they have, you know, any bad marks that you should be aware of? You should be asking those questions, you know, it's like a it's like a marriage in business, right? You're going to be in bed with this person, so you need to really get to know them and their team. So, I recommend spending as much time as you need doing research, asking questions and all of that. And then once you feel comfortable, you can get it going. Now, there are a lot of platforms that are built specifically for micro acquisitions where you can buy a built up and running business. This industry is age old and it's a very profitable, high margin industry for the brokers and people like that. 
Now, they're typically the ones who get rich on these transactions, but at the end of the day, if you're looking to acquire a small e-commerce store, this, this industry is age old in that sense. It's just the main change today is that now these businesses are automated. We don't have to have a bunch of, you know, storefronts and physical inventory and, you know, all of this brick and mortar component. And that's really what makes these more profitable, more easy and more accessible to everyday investors. So if you want to learn more about the different types of automated businesses that are becoming popular today, we are publishing on this regularly on our blog so you can read about it. You can read our personal experiences. One of the main tenets that I have when I'm speaking about businesses is that I will not recommend anything that I haven't personally invested in. And I feel like that's a good, a good benchmark to go off of. So I hope you've enjoyed this and I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.